Welcome to Take a Wonder with Shebs, the show that features some of the biggest travel bloggers, TV and radio personalities and journalists from all around the world. Each show aims to take my guest on a wonder and uncover topics that may not be discussed on their platforms or in the media, whether that's the state of travel blogging and journalism as it is today, or whether there's enough diversity within the industry. Perhaps what impact technology and social media have had on content creation, or in general the impact of current affairs on the industry. I also try and find out the journey behind each individual's success, as this is more important to me than the actual travel. This episode aired on my YouTube channel on the 15th of February 2021, and it's with Ravi Prabhu. Ravi has travelled to 186 countries in the world. He's on a mission to complete every single one. I asked him why it was important to do so. All that and much more. Ravi, how's it going? Very good, man. Very good. How's uh, how's Virginia? Virginia is good, man. Virginia is good. Suddenly it's so hot. I don't know why. It was uh, super duper cool. And then uh, the temperatures have soared up now. I want to go, go back to it, sort of like your, your early, early life. So you were in India and you were growing up. Did you have the opportunity through education? How, how, how did you go up in, in India? In India, on educational basis, if you happen to be somebody from the middle class in India, the education is good, the opportunities are good. So, I mean, I've had uh, decent education, I mean, like any other person. I didn't go to IITs or IIMs or anything of that sort. But, uh, yeah, decent education, decent upbringing. And my parents, I wouldn't say they were well off, but uh, they were okay to do. Uh, let's say, above the median. Okay, middle, yeah, yeah, middle class about the median, so we had a fair amount. Uh, I mean, decent life. I wouldn't say luxurious life or wow life, but decent life. It's not like we were struggling for food or anything. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe that that sounds like a good story if you say, "Oh, it's no food at all," but that that isn't the case. So, all all good, and then uh, you dream so much, like the middle class dreams. But I mean, I never thought I would be able to realize those days. So, uh, looking back. Honestly, very happy, you know. My upbringing, um, so my parents moved across. So my dad and my mom moved across to England in the early 80s. So in terms of uh, opportunities, there wasn't much of an opportunity for someone with a a different background at that time, especially with my dad or my my mom. I mean, the English was non-existent at the time, so they had to learn their way. So, So... we struggled. So when I was born, we, we lived into, I, I don't know how, what they call it in America, but we call it um, like council houses and stuff. So we were living in, uh, what would you call it? Like a sta- uh, state? It's government government funded houses? Yeah. Government social funded. social housing or something like that. Right, is that what you call it? Right. So yeah. So for us, yeah. we were living in one of those for, for years and years and years. So um, opportunity wise, you know, growing up as a kid, though, you don't realize, you know, what's going on you know you're sort of just living life and for yourself what I was trying to get at was in, in a life in India though you know is it is it is it set in stone for you or can you do you have dreams and you can sort of fulfill your dreams because you hear you hear stories that people say oh no, I want you to be a doctor or lawyer or whatever the generic stuff yeah, so life, life life in the West now that I live here is easy if you want to be a a doctor, you can be a doctor. It's not that hard. But in countries like India, at least while I was growing up, not everybody can become a doctor. You can dream, but there are limited medical colleges. 
things have changed now. A lot more private colleges. If you have money, you can become a doctor. But earlier, in my entire state of Andhra Pradesh, which was Andhra and Telangana together, big state. It was the fifth biggest state in the country. And then there were only 1,000 medical seats, 1,000 mm. people. Only 1,000 seats, only 1,000 people a year could uh, join the medical course. And about 100,000, 200,000 people take the exam. So a minute person of it only can get through. So there's severe competition. Even IITs, right? The standards of these IITs are super, super high. Something like Harvard and Stanford. But then how, what percentage can get in there? But in the U.S., it's relatively easy. If you want to do something, it's attainable, you know. For, for a vast, vast majority in any developing country, I'm not saying you can't attain goals. Of course you can. But the percentage is smaller and the struggle is harder. Right? Uh, I mean, Absolutely. yeah. So even in Bangladesh, let's say, I mean, uh, because it's such an overpopulated country, mm-hmm. not everybody has the means, right? I mean, we look at the top 1% and 2% and say, oh, wow, we can make a lot of money in Bangladesh. That's because you're looking at the top 2%, right? In, in Dhaka, somebody tells me, oh, this guy is so rich, he can buy all of America. Yes, but how many people of that sort do you see in Dhaka or the subcontinent anyway, right? So, I mean, somehow I feel like um, the Western standards are different. In England, people say, oh, I'm stressed because I don't have a paycheck and all. But everybody has a car. Everybody has a decent house. When I say everybody, I'm talking about the vast majority. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. converse. So, I mean, I think um, being a middle-class person in America or England is different than being, that's that's how I feel. The impact it's going to have on tourism. So, the airline industry, you know, 90% of flights aren't flying at the minute. What's the airline industry going to look like? You think it's only 90%? You think it's only 90% that's not flying or more? I, I haven't looked at the statistics, but I'm just curious. I mean, if you did. I've got a friend in the airline industry and they were, they were saying, yeah. He and well, he was saying that it was it was around about ninety percent. That probably well, that was a couple of weeks ago. I don't know whether that's changed now. But you know, you look at these companies like even like Richard Branson asking for a bailout in this country. Um, I think I mean he's a billionaire asking for a bailout. And if, and if you have this, if you have this five hundred flights sitting, imagine the operating expense. I mean, you could be a billionaire. You're losing money like crazy. Exactly. I think. Well, <laughs> What my what my worry is is airline wise, will they start charging more for flights? Will this have an impact on tourism as a whole? And one idea I saw, I, I'll tell you, they were saying because of this social distancing. Let's say you maintain six feet, six foot uh, social distancing on the plane. You're sitting on top of each other. There's no yeah. point in having it. So I I saw some kind of a proposal. You have a three and three seats in the aisle in between a regular plane. They're saying only one person sits in the entire six, three and three, yeah. one here. So if that's the case, obviously the tickets are going to be so damn expensive. And only those that need to travel will travel. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be, I would be just, um, there were many instances I just flew to London because I just felt like the previous day, went to London and came back uh, on the oh, weekend. You flew to I've London. done this. Oh, many times, man. I've, I've done this so many times. Like this, right? I mean, Impetuous decisions. Not no, not now. Earlier. All right. So yeah, I was say, with with yeah. that. So if if that is the case where people can't travel, and you know they they say it's going to it's going to be a social distancing within planes. As you said, they're going to up the prices, knowing that I, I, seats. I, I am guessing. I am guessing if a, if a plane which has a capacity of three hundred 
can only fly 50 people. Same fuel charges, same flight exactly. attendants, same safety standards. That's going to be bad. I don't know. I mean, it's going to be an, bad. As an industry, though, the, the tourism industry, this is what I'm saying. Will 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 it survive? That's the that's the issue. So my worry is it's going to be at least potentially until maybe next year where we could all travel properly. Unless, of course, a vaccine came from somewhere. and Because otherwise, we're just going to be staying still. We'd have to travel within our own countries, wouldn't we? So this is, this is the worry I've got in terms of the travel industry. So for yourself, for example, you want to go see the last remaining nine countries. Uh, it might not be until, I don't know, potentially... Next year, maybe. Nothing lasts forever. You know. We have seen so many pandemics and epidemics like smallpox, measles, right? I mean, um, bad uh, plague. All those things are gone, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Smallpox was a huge thing in India, I mean, uh, before we were born. Now we don't even hear of smallpox. Same thing with malaria, right? So that's what I'm saying. Everything has to go some point or other. It's nothing but a resetting of a clock. That's what I think. But how, how bad the clock resets is what we need to know. I mean, when you talk about the tourism industry, I, I don't think it's going to be the same. Imagine how many hotels out there. Okay. Sometimes I struggle to find a hotel in Mumbai, a nice hotel or something, while I travel. They are literally empty. Right? We're talking about a gazillion, uh, billion hotel, hotel rooms that are empty. So people, I mean, how do all this cleaning stuff survive? All these security guards survive? I don't know. It's going to be, it's much bigger than what we, what it seems like right now. Is what I feel. The smaller uh, uh, hotels, hostels, you know, I've got friends who runs a hostel in Panama. You know, they're not in business at the minute, so they can't afford to employ the staff. They so they're gone. Redundant. So, again, it has that spiral effect, you know, domino effect, doesn't it, where it's yeah. like a knock-on effect. You're not going to be able to see. I mean, again, when, when it's back up and running, whether these hotels stay, or whether these hotels go, or whether these tour companies come and go, I, that's the other thing. So it could be, as I said to you, before, for, for an average traveler or an average holiday maker, it's not going to be the same. It's going to be a, a real struggle before we see anything. So this is the thing, you see. So will it be a point, will it be a case where they might just say, you know what, if you want to fly, uh, obviously, you'd have to maybe have a, a certificate or some sort of antibodies. That's uh, that's a def- that's a definite. Even if the virus were to be gone, the fear in people's minds wouldn't go away. As long as there's fear, you would have all kinds of restrictions. And then, example, I have overseas. I'm an overseas citizen of India, which means I have every right an Indian has to go to India. Except, I think I can buy agricultural property can't participate in elections. Those are the only two restrictions, right? So I can live there, I can study there, I can work there just like any other Indian. But then they suspended that part as well okay. for all the NRIs, you know, uh, and uh, visits uh, from NRIs are banned. Only Indians with an Indian passport can visit India now. So the restrictions of this sort will, will I mean, would it, would it really, the disease doesn't know of an Indian or an American or an NRI. So if somebody living in America, an Indian passport holder goes back to India, it's 100% the same risk as I going to India, right? But I mean, people need to have some kind of uh, thing that makes people comfortable. But is it going to stop? I don't think so.
right? But but these kinds of restrictions are only going to get worse. I mean, like uh, every time you go to Africa, you carry this yellow fever certificate. Remember? Yes, in South America as well. You need to carry that yellow fever certificate. No, not in South America. Well, look, when I went to Peru and other places, I think it was in Peru. They said you need to carry the. No, the I went to Peru a few times. Never had yellow. Only in Africa, so far. For some for some reason, like when I went to um, South America, they told us here before I left. I need to get a yellow fever. Maybe it's a travel agency. They just want you to be safe and stuff. But it's not a government restriction. I never carried one. I traveled uh, to almost all South American countries and uh, Central American countries. Never had a yellow certificate. Yeah. But in Africa, but in Africa, other than yeah. the northern uh, Arab, Arab, uh, I mean Egypt, Libya, Tunisia, not those, but sub-Saharan Africa, you need a yellow fever certificate. Okay, I, I, I wasn't too sure. I know when I went to Africa. Couple of years ago, it was about three, three, about three years ago, they didn't ask me for a yellow fever certificate. I went through Namibia, Zimbabwe, South Africa, Botswana. They said you didn't need it, which is a, which is a bizarre thing. But there are so many men. I mean, I can't, I can't pinpoint one. Uh, a lot of uh, people got upset with me because I was walking with these lions, and they thought the lions were drugged. I don't know if they're drugged or not. For me, it was truly an incredible experience walking with four wild lions. Fully grown. That was truly an incredible experience, and uh, I have made uh, made videos and stuff. There's always this five percent uh, intelligentsia or intellectuals. You know, they are always against anything. They are ready to eat meat, uh, kill chicken and goats. But talking about animal rights, because I'm just walking with a lion. But anyway, so that was truly an where, incredible experience for me. Where, where was that? Where, where was that? In Zambia. Oh, Zambia. Okay. And I mean, it's like goosebumps all through. I walked about. I spent about one to one and a half hours. Four fully grown sexually active lions. I'm like, wow, right? I don't know what it is, but in your mind, you're like, damn. All I had was a stick to distract it. And then they they give you some kind of things, you know, never show your back. If a lion looks at you, you gaze at it, something like that. You don't bend your head. You you can't show weakness to it. When you show weakness, it attacks you. Even even right. when you watch these uh, safari jungles and stuff, right? When a lion were to attack a buffalo and the buffalo charges, the lion takes back. Right, takes a step back. So uh, things like this, but it's very, very thrilling. And uh, I've also been a real live volcano. I've been to many volcanoes, but this volcano in a country called Vanuatu. Vanuatu is uh, northeast, northeast of Australia, in these uh, Pacific Islands. It's an actual volcano, maybe four or maybe maybe ten feet max. The vent is not, the crater is not too deep. You can see the sputtering lava. It's going up and the whole earth shuddering. That's got to be a truly incredible experience, right? Those two I can think of uh, to ask. I mean, uh, well, well, the volcano one is something that I really want to go see. I, I've not. Uh, Did you see my post on, on my uh, uh, gallery? There's a little video, like 10 second video of uh, actually, maybe you, can, you could check it out later. Is it on Instagram? Is it on the IGTV section or? No, just regular right there. Ah, I have seen that. I didn't realize that was a volcano, actually. Man, so uh, you should open it up and look. I mean, it's it's like, it's an actual volcano. You see this? Wow. And so you were that close to it? That, uh, that close. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you could feel it, sulfur, whatever, all over your face. And the earth was really shuddering and shivering. Man, it was, it was outstanding. Did you go away thinking, wow, I've just experienced this and... I can't believe it, or do you think to yourself, okay, that, that's something that I can say I've done? Or what, what, what did you get from that? Um, the, the, the pure thrill, right? Like, for example, I'm not into skydiving. 
Mm. I know so many people who are scared of skydiving, but they've overcome the fear by doing it. And the, the actual act is maybe like two minutes when you fall, and then maybe five minutes, maybe ten minutes, right? But the fear to overcome that takes years. Oh yeah, yeah you understand, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, like, like for example, if you ask me at this moment, if I would uh, take this chance, you give me ten thousand dollars. Do I want to do skydiving? I would say no. Even okay. if you pay me ten thousand dollars, I'm not willing to do it. Or ten thousand pounds, I'm not willing to do it. So if I come to the state where I have to do it, the fear, like same with the lines, right? The whole two days I was thinking, should I do it? Should I not do it? Man, what if it attacks? All this thing. And once you get there, it's different, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's the it's the that's that I think that's a thrill, right? I mean, even when I plan a trip, more than traveling, planning the trip in my mind and the anticipation is more thrilling than uh, the trip. So all my friends ask me, "Hey, do you use a travel agent to book the flights? Do you use a travel agent to book the hotels?" I said, "No, I do it all by myself because I love that part more than the travel itself." Are you going to be writing a book on it? Is this a plan? No plan. No, I mean, see, man. I mean, I, again, I could be totally wrong. Uh, from from how I feel and what I think, books and stuff. I don't think anybody forget forget books, bloggers. Even bloggers are out of business now. It's all vlogging. Hmm. If I have a video of me narrating my experience and showing you various places of the world, would you rather do that or read through my experience? What would you do? I mean, I mean, I'm not saying this is totally out. Yeah, yeah. All I'm trying to say is, a normal person, like let's say, we do this chat in terms of writing, and we yeah. want people to watch it. Versus, we are actually talking. You can put a face to yeah, a conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. What, what is more successful? Can you not sort of marry them both up and sort of it, it expands, doesn't it? That's uh... so. So, so my my experience is even even me, right? Only if I plan to travel to some place, <clears throat> then I look for a blog on that place. Okay. On a day-to-day -day activity, I don't have the time to read through a blog or somebody's experience. For example, in Instagram, I follow a few people. Even if they have a big narrative, I read the first two lines yeah. and skip the rest. Same with me. I put an amazing picture with a big title of where the place is. Half the comments are, "Hey, where is this?" Right. <laughs> well, what do you say? It, it says bold, my Norway Davies, Gerringer Fort, and they're like, "Hey, man, amazing place. Where is this?" Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that should give you an idea, right? When when a person doesn't have the time or the wherewithal to read a sentence, I don't know if somebody would. I have a lot of amazing books, just coffee coffee table books, just for show. Even I didn't read them. It says amazing destinations in the world. Yeah. I just uh, sometimes skip. So that's what I'm saying. I mean, I I personally think even even I used to read a lot of books. Now it's so convenient. You have audio books. You while you're driving, you can't read, so you listen to the audio books. And once you get used to it, you find morely. I mean, there there is always that little um, uh, channel or little stream of people that would want to do it. But I I personally think it's it's on the decline. But if your idea is to generate money and i see these vloggers in india and all over hmm. i mean it doesn't matter i mean today i saw some vlogger he was fixing something at home and he had like 200000 views in 6 6 hours or something so i don't know i mean um, and that generates a lot of money it's not like you're doing for nothing and what's the effort that's taken all you need is a nice studio a decent camera that's it you're talking if i have to do a blogger versus vlogger Maybe ten years ago things were different. I think now people are into video watching than reading. I mean, if you look at the numbers, I'm sure it's drawn on the SN. 
it's only on the decline. Even yeah, if it's one person. Do you agree with me? Oh, you've seen it now with people videoing. This, this, is, this is new as well. You know, this between someone from America and someone from England, two travelers, this is, this is new. This is a whole different level. So this might take off in the next five years. Where... No, I think it has already taken off, man. I, I actually feel I started a little too late. I had amazing content. I've always been a traveler last 10 years. So, and I'm looking at the statistics and now I started vlogging and the response is very good. I'm not saying it's bad. For, from where I started, four months, five months, I have 10,000 subscribers. I've gotten like 600,000 views in total. Not bad. But I mean, I, I was thinking if I started three years ago, when this was nascent, there was nobody, but better late than never. So I think it's still, it's already, I wouldn't say it wouldn't grow. Of course it would grow because all these bloggers are becoming bloggers and everybody that was used to reading is now watching. Give it a few more years. I, yes. I, I, I reckon the norm would be video. So, I mean, I've seen bloggers do videos now. And that's the that's the that's the, that's and, the main and thing. even the bloggers now it was purely text. Now you see a little video, a little video, picture, yeah. a little snippet. You know, it, it's changing. You know, it's it's transforming. And I, I think I mean everything has to has its uh, shelf life, and then of course you know, move on. And I think also you were talking about how people don't read your co your let's just say place where you are Caps, caption. Yeah. yeah. So the people are getting more and more lazy in some respects. So oh, possibly, possibly. So. <laughs> So the videos may have to be shorter and shorter. So you capture that. Because I've noticed when I post something, and if it's, a, if it's a short video, you get more views straight away. But if it's a longer video, people can't bother to watch it. It's too long. That is, that is true. That is true, yeah. I mean, uh, unless the content is really gripping, yeah. and you can relate to the content. I mean, I, even I posted uh, my most recent video is 18 minutes. And the average, uh, YouTube gives you all the statistics. Yeah. The average uh, is like six minutes or eight minutes. Which means, I mean, bulk of them, they get bored. Even me, right? I'm watching a song on YouTube. I see something else. You don't even play the entire song. You switch to the next one. It's just, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, the yeah. mentality. So, I mean, and since the content is so much and these videos keep come pouring in, and uh, it's it's very hard to hold somebody's attention for 20 minutes unless it's really interesting. You know, uh, since it was, a, it was a Pakistan video, those who are really interested in the topic, I'm sure must have watched it. But six minutes... Out of an eighteen-minute video, that's the average. So, what do you say about it? Whilst you've been traveling, have you made friends that you keep in touch with now? There must be people that you've met along the way. Uh, lots, lots, and lots of friends. The, the this is the problem again. Same thing, right? Let's say when you visit a country. I, I recently went to Nigeria, right? Okay, yeah. The first month you keep in touch a lot, but if that if Nigeria were to be the only country I visit and I don't visit any other place ever. Yeah, we would stay constantly in touch, talk, and all that. But even that changes, you know. Sadly, how many people can I stay in touch with within these twenty-four hours? So now that I've been to a lot of countries, let's say on average, I know five people from a country. That's a thousand people. Can yeah, you stay yeah, in touch yeah, yeah. with a thousand people actively yeah, yeah, every day? Absolutely. Well, this is the thing. So I think the, I think the best way social media is, is is a brilliant way of keeping in touch in that sense. So you post something, or you message something, or you put a post. Easily, they can they can see. Yeah, but even even that, right? That changes. Like, let's say they have newer friends from Nigeria. Who, I mean, yeah, yeah. newer friends that visited Nigeria. That attention span changes. It's not the same. So initially, I remember ten years ago, man, I made amazing friends, call each other, talk with each other, write write to each other. 
that's not the same anymore, you know. I mean, you have a shelf life again. Two months, three months, four months, six months, that's it. Yes, even, I, from, even from your standard, right? Let's say I, I visited Pakistan. I was keeping in touch with all these Pakistani Instagrammers and all that. After Pakistan, I went to Saudi Arabia, I went to Iraq, I went to Afghanistan, all these places. It's a little hard to keep in touch with yeah. all those friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you have new, new people pouring in, and also in your mind, you were curious about Pakistan. You had all these questions for Pakistanis. Now they're all solved. It's like a solved puzzle. Yeah, yeah, you know absolutely. What I mean? While there's an intention, it feels good to hear occasionally, you can't really indulge in chit-chat every single day. You meet quite a lot of people, but obviously the, the ones that you, you stay in touch with, there's going to be a minute few. So uh, exactly. potentially over the last 10 years, I've made maybe about maybe 20 good friends that I keep, keep in touch with regularly and find out how they're yeah. doing. Things. But as you're right, you're saying, I've met literally thousands of people. But you, it does become very difficult to keep in touch with a thousand people. I mean, every now and again, you'll, you'll, you'll see a message, you'll see something and you post, they'll post something or you message back. And that keeps that, that interaction going, which is, which is good. But as I said, you, you physically, when, you know, you just don't have the time to be, otherwise you'd be, you'd be doing no jobs, no nothing. You just can't. But what I was trying to get at was that you, you, you must have made some real good close friends in terms of, one or two, three or four that you think? Yes, you know, yes. I, I think. yes, I did. And uh, I observed that even these people, even even uh, the folks that we're talking about who have gotten quite close, everybody mm. has their own life. Very close, six months, eight months, one year, and then it's a down, downward curve, right? They have new of people, course, yeah. they have new things to do. I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. Many times I'm sad leaving a place uh, thinking this is it, mm. maybe never. So I met an amazing um, uh, friend in uh, Lagos, in Nigeria. Oh, I was yeah. in Nigeria in uh, February, uh, January, this January, three months yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. The guy, he took off time. He wasn't going to work. He literally stayed with me the entire four days or five days I spent in Lagos, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then he messages me many times and say, hey, Ravi, you don't have time for me. You don't even message. I'm like, man, it's not because I don't want to. It's because I don't have the time. Every day yeah, you go yeah. to your inbox, they're like, 500, 600 messages and people get wow. upset uh, and unfollow saying, hey, how come I said, oh, you don't even reply. I'm, how can I possibly reply 600 messages of hi, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, have you had lunch? Come on. Most of the messages are hi and say hi, hello, hello, <laughs> how are you? How are you? I mean, it's good, right? I'm, I mean, the intention is pure. They want to keep in touch. I'm not blaming it. But how can I possibly respond course, yeah, to yeah, 600 yeah. messages every day? Of course. Yeah. Well, so you've people, got... people think it's ego or attitude, but it's, it's none of them. No, no, it's no, just the lack of time. It's a, yeah, the of lack course, of energy. You've got like 100, uh, 115,000 followers on Instagram alone. That, that, that's a lot of people that might be messaging you saying, you know, hi, how are you, this and that. It's just, it's just impossible to, to reply back to all those messages, isn't it? So nowadays, nowadays I, I stop opening them. Because when you open, they get even more agitated. Oh, he saw my message and he's not responding. At least when you don't open it, it's like, oh, he hasn't read it. Better. I see. Yeah, I get it. So it, it, it's hard. I mean, you may be missing some important messages too. Like uh, somebody, some youth forum in India, they invited me to speak uh, to a bunch of 700 uh, people, but I don't know. But it's good. I mean, at least I get this little attention, which I was getting before. I'm happy about it. But would I travel all the way to India to lecture or speak uh, to a forum of 700 people i don't know but i mean it's good 
how did you grow your following is it just purely from from traveling or so what happens is uh, so this is what i observed right it's very hard i see some people just posting a muscle picture every day they yeah. have a big following the same person same shirtless picture same muscle right and then <laughs> I, i've seen some people like so for me what happened is to get traction i was posting one picture from one country with change tags every single day so let's say i post a picture from norway you get five norway followers the right. next day you post a picture from greece you get five new greece greek followers right right, right, you, right right so that's how i grew up my instagram account and i don't know it got stagnant i'm not sure i see people like half a million followers and me being one of the most traveled indians i mean top 3 top 4 whatever it is with yeah. a big country i don't know why i can't uh, why i'm unable to grow i don't know maybe i have to seriously look into it but overall that's how it initially grew i mean if i post a picture of me in front of my house every single day i'm not sure if i could uh, increase no, no, my following no, no, no. so that that's that's a methodology i used right and then my instagram was going by leaps and bounds until last year each post was getting 10000 11000 likes and 600 comments and stuff i don't know what happened in the second half of 2019 it's not me a lot of lot of uh, people have complained some kind of arithmetic or algorithm yeah yeah, yeah algorithm yeah, then yeah. crashed man crashed yeah yeah same, same thing I I started posting for I started posting for 3 months because I I, I mean when you are used to so much uh, response 11000 10000 plus and suddenly it's barely doing 3000 4000 you lose interest you know when I when I first started growing quite a lot it was like 2018 for some bizarre yeah. reason 2019 it just dropped and the interactions just dropped I don't know whether it was, and it was to do with the algorithm I think just Instagram just changed I, I, the I, algorithm I thinking algorithm because every post I go right I put like 10 hashtags Yeah. When I when I check the post, all 10 hashtags, if you go to the hashtag, mine is always the top performing picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of 2019, the first half of 2019, second half of 2018. After that, I don't even see my hashtags doing. I mean, <laughs> they change something, I'm not sure what it yeah, is. Yeah, 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 Because absolutely. overnight, it can drop from 10,000, 11,000 to 4,000. Can. Yeah, of course. But yeah. anyway, I mean, I mean, uh, it's not like I'm making money off Instagram, it's I'm making money off YouTube or I'm dependent, so I don't care. But I'm just saying, I mean, because of the discussion, Uh, and course. also people come and ask me hey man somebody a friend of mine has been to 20 countries and is already a local celebrity and you've yeah. been to 186 what's up with you i said i don't know but but we'll fix it well, i mean um, it's always like it's always like people have to know you i mean once they know of course it, yeah 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 so how do you fund your travels as well so um, so far i did have a lot of uh, <clears throat> promotional offers people ask me hey can you travel with us for 5 days and showcase our culture showcase our but I, so far i have not accepted a single promotion all okay. my travels are self funded so far okay right so so um, did it cost uh, money yes lots and lots of money do you have sponsors mm-hmm. so you you've not taken any sponsors no no, no i've not taken any sponsors so far like i got a sponsor from iran uh, they said i have to do 11 days i don't have 11 days man that's a problem right if somebody sponsors you you have to stay where they ask you to stay Yeah, yep. travel where they. I mean, so it's a little. I mean, it's, but if if I were to be a full time traveler, I don't have a family, I don't have a job, I don't have a career. Yes, you pay for me. I'm going to travel with you lifelong, but I can't do that. So that's why, even if somebody were to sponsor, and if I have to accept, it has to be on my terms, and nobody would do that. That's so true. so far, so far, everything is self funded. Uh, I I don't think uh, I accepted any sponsor. I cannot think of any right now. uh and then did it cost a lot of money yes it costed a lot of money and why do i spend so much money 
because it's my passion, man. What's the point in living if you can't pursue your passion? Absolutely. Right? If, if you're a dancer, if you're a dancer, you should be dancing. You know, if you're a traveler, <laughs> you should be traveling. Okay. So, what are you looking for? Looking from your social presence? I mean, I, I honestly, what I'm looking from my social presence is to disseminate the information that I have. Mm. Primarily, that's it, <clears throat> and uh, uh, to share my travels so people can. Many people have this aspiration to travel the world, and they cannot. So, if you see my narratives, it's not just me posing and saying, "Hey, I'm here with this beautiful car." I write at least ten, fifteen lines. I mean, it's like a mini blog. Each of my posts has at least ten to fifteen lines of narrative. It's sharing my experiences, sharing my travels, and to convey the message that while we are fighting, we're still nifty things. We're all one and the same at the end of the day, and that's what I wanna. I want to do, and initially it crossed many times in my mind. If I can grow a huge travel presence, right, and whatever money I can make, I thought maybe I can donate it to different charities yeah. and not make money off it. So that's my intent, you know. I mean, if I, 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 nobody would be donating everything they have, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not like, hey, somebody asked me this question: How come you travel for this aggrandizement um, or self ego? Instead, why don't you give that money to a charity every mm. time instead of traveling? It's easier to say, but we can't do it. Yeah, of course, absolutely. Right. Well, so, so, well, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So, what I was trying to say is, like, if I can uh, grow my social presence enormously, and then I can say, somebody asks me to sponsor something, I say, Hey, Ravi, why don't you sponsor my water? I say, Okay. Why don't you give thousand dollars in charity to these uh, people that don't have water? Yeah. And then yeah, yes, yeah. I'll sponsor. Something of that sort is running on my mind. Okay, my intention okay. is not really to make money for myself, but that that's the thing. Let's see. I mean, in terms of your work, then what is it that you do that funds all your travels? I mean, I, it's an expensive uh, habit, isn't it? Traveling, as I found out. <laughs> yeah. So I, I uh, people ask me often what I do. I'm a consultant. I do some kind of management. So it's like management consulting. So I make decent money, and then uh, it's always right. Like uh, how do I explain? I have friends who make decent money as well. Their priority is to buy one house. Another house, another house, yeah. another house. My priority is isn't that right? I mean, yeah, yeah, it, it yeah. depends. And some people want to buy buy ten bikes, ten cars. So priorities are different, and so my priorities are different. So I I wouldn't say I'm like starving or anything. I make mm -hmm. decent. I'm not a rich guy, super rich guy, but I'm decent. So I make enough money. Wherein uh, and and also travel is not a compulsive addiction. Yeah. Wherein I have to borrow money, steal money, rob money, and then go travel. So within my means, within my budget, I do travel, and I do travel quite well. So it's just uh, within my means. That's what that's what I want to say. And I would urge everybody that's watching, if they have this aspiration to travel the world, please make sure you take care of the preliminary things, right? Make sure you have a little saving and your basic amenities. Don't just have one backpack and travel. That that's my opinion. Because at the end of the day, you gotta have something to mm. look back to. Or if there is a, you lose your leg or hand or something, somebody has to take care of you, right? So first things first, and then you don't have to save all the money you make. Maybe take five percent, ten percent, and travel. That, that's my recommendation. That's interesting because um, a lot of people out there will just let you take a backpack and you know water, and that's it. They're on the road, um, and that's how they travel. Which, which is good. Which is good. Don't get me wrong. But once you finish that five years or four years of backpacking and traveling, yeah. when you come back. You need to survive as well, right? Of course, so I don't know. Yes. It's a it's a it's a it's a fine line. It's a question of priority. In my case, I'd rather be 
at some stable level and then travel rather than totally be unstable, but then travel because I, I met a guy uh, in Bolivia. So we went to, you know, the space salar, the uni, the white salt flats. Yeah, 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 jump. yeah. So I went there and then uh, this, this person was saying, damn, man, I have $8 in my bank. And then he has to buy a bus ticket that evening. He bought mm. the ticket or something. He had to pay extra. Then I asked him, how do you survive, man, when you, when you reach the destination, you know? So, I mean, I wouldn't want to be in a situation like that. Yeah. Right. But it's, it's, it's to each their own, you know, I mean. Absolutely. I, I think I've met, quite, I've met quite a lot of people that have traveled and they've you know, literally had nothing and they were staying with people, favors, you know, meals here and there. I, I guess it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, you could either do it one way, your way, which is, you know, having a job, making sure you're fully funded and you know what you're doing, or you could do it the other way where you've got no money, no jobs, just literally going from place to place to place, maybe to, maybe pick up a job here and there, bar job or, I don't know, cleaning something or whatever to, to survive. And I think for me, it's in between. You have to, I couldn't just do it where I had no, nothing. I have to have some sort of funding where I knew I was able to go from place to place to place and I knew there was enough funding for it. Someone recently visited from Spain and uh, messaged me on Instagram and I was in Washington, D.C. that day. Uh, they were like, hey, can you show me around Washington, D.C.? I said, okay, I'm free. Uh, let me finish my gym. And then I picked them up and then went with them a night tour of Washington, D.C. in my car. And then when I dropped them, they were in a hostel. So I went inside to drop them. And that's when I saw uh, a few people from Brazil and a few people from Turkey. There's some kind of voluntary work or whatever. You work in the hostel. The hostel pays, gives you space and gives you little money. And then you're you're doing that for six six year uh, six months or whatever, but you get to stay and work and travel something like that. Uh, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I thought it was interesting. Would I do that? No. Uh, when this is all over, yeah. First place you want to go to? To Turkmenistan, but I don't think I'll get a visa to Turkmenistan because it's a it's like a North Korea of Asia, totally guarded, and they ah, don't want an influx of tourists, right? I mean. But I mean, man, it's it's uh, slim pickings. There's only nine remaining, you know. Yeah, I don't know what to say. But I was, any, I was thinking, I was thinking of something else. There are a lot of Caribbean countries, like eleven or ten. I cannot remember the number. Like Saint Kitts and Nevis, Saint yeah. Lucia, Barbados, Dominica, things like this. I traveled to all these places ten, eleven years ago. All I have is a picture in front of a palm tree, in front of a beach. I can't even tell which one is what. So I was thinking I would spend ten days or eleven days. Hop to one island every day. Ah, that's what, that's what I was thinking. Um, and that's easy as well. I mean, it's expensive because these intra-island flights, yeah, yeah, intra-island yeah, 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 flights yeah. are very expensive. But I thought I wanted to do it because I don't have enough footage. If somebody asked me, what did you do in St. Kitts and Nevis? Of course. Blank, sat in, uh, in a resort. I mean, so that's why I want to do one island a day and uh, <laughs> travel okay. through these 10 islands for 10 days. That's the plan. Probably I'll do that because, I mean, when countries open up, yeah, it's yeah, easy yeah. for me to get there. Absolutely. I don't need a visa. So, But I, I really wanted to complete uh, in 2020 all countries. But now it's a far-fetched dream. Maybe 2011, you know. Uh, 2020, uh, 2021. What one place would you go back to again yeah. and again? One place again and again and again? Yeah. Man, you know, it sounds like a doctored answer, but it's India, man. It's my the country. Yeah, but it's, it's not because I'm Indian. I mean, there's so much in India to do, you know. If I were to go to Turkmenistan, I'm sure I would spend five days, ten days. After that, what? 
what is in Turkmenistan that I can see, right? Versus how much can you see in India or or in the USA? USA is quite vast. You have oh, everything. Absolutely. You have everything in the USA. That's I mean, you go to this. Uh, you go to Bolivia to experience uh, Salar de Uni, the white salt. Huh? And then in Salt Lake City in Utah, you have the exact same thing. Nobody even knows of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, have, actually, you, have you have you ever heard of the White Sand Desert? White, white desert. There is a huge desert, which is totally powdered white sand. It's okay. called the White Sand Monument. It's in New Mexico in the U.S. After oh, this call, cool. just look it up. It's like wow, and I've not been there. Well, that's a, that's another thing. Actually, would you not want to do more of America, well, more of the states? No, I. I have actually been to forty-eight states of the fifty. Oh, in right, okay, okay. So you've quite a lot. But but I have not been to this. I went to the capital of New Mexico, which is Albuquerque, because I was working as a consultant before. I got to travel every week to a different city. Uh, but I haven't seen this white sand monument, which oh, is okay. quite far. And I've seen when I see pictures, it's unbelievable powdered white sand, like you see in the beach, and that's a desert. Wow. That's a desert. Wow. I watch one movie a day every evening, okay, and okay. some days, like Friday, it's two movies back to back. And and now, while I knew little of Tamil and Malayalam and all that, yeah. now I'm getting fluent watching these Tamil movies and Malayalam movies. And it feels good, you know. I can understand. I don't need subtitles anymore. Okay, like that. for majority of it, 70, 80%, I can understand Tamil now, Malayalam now. Feels good. And I watched one uh, movie, Hindi movie, Malang. And some people had, uh, uh, did not have good reviews, but I absolutely loved it. Oh, if you okay. were to watch Hindi, do you watch Hindi movies? I used to watch quite a lot of Bollywood movies. That's how I learned my Hindi, actually. Um, I see. So I've not seen I mean, some of the movies. I've not seen many for a while, but uh, okay. I know I know in the past a lot of it was all love stories and stuff. But I think they've changed it up a little bit, haven't they? Now with this different types it's of story, wide, it's a wide variety, man. It's not small variety. So, and then you should watch this uh, movie Malang. Okay, I, okay. I I totally loved it. Do you watch any South Indian movies? You don't understand, I guess. South Indian itself is not the same. Similar sort of. Oh, very different. Is it different? No, is that, no. No commonality. Like no, no commonality. Okay. But he, it's, it's the thing I, I realized. Like you could watch a Korean movie with subtitles, yeah. right? But it's not the same thing. It's not the subtitles that they issue. No, 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 no. It's you relating to that content, right? Like if you're a Bollywood fan, you probably may not like the South Indian. I don't know. I mean, like earlier, I was only watching South Indian movies, never cared for Hindi movies because I wasn't able to relate to it. Things change. So that maybe you wouldn't like the South Indian movies. I don't know, but you should try it. Try it once or twice. Amazing movies, and South India makes more movies than Bollywood. Of course, uh, South it? India is a lot of states. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you have course. Canada movies, Telugu, Tamil, and Malayalam together. Maybe it's double of uh, Bollywood. Who was the most famous actor for? Is it Ra- Ra- um, what's his name? Rajni. He's a Tamilian, but in, yeah. in Telugu, it's Chiranjeevi. It used to be. Now you have a new generation. So, and obviously, Shahrukh Khan's obviously the biggest in Bollywood itself. Not uh, the biggest, one of the biggest. Of the, I mean, you had a, I mean, Amitabh Bachchan was was big, but um, he's obviously he's older, isn't he? But Amit, I mean, actually, Shahrukh Khan is getting quite old himself. Actually, he's not. He's not. He's uh, in his fifties. Fifties now. Fifties now, isn't he? Yeah, more more than yeah, fifty plus. I, I'm, fifty I'm plus sure. now. But this, that's what I'm saying. Right, the world doesn't end, right? No, the no, old no. generation that goes and the new generation comes in. Yeah, amazing new actors now. Absolutely. Jesus. Absolutely. So well, soon we'll be soon we'll be wearing contacts and uh, walking sticks, and then you have a whole generation talking about this, exactly. and, and they look at you, look at you, and say, "Oh, old man, what do you know? What have you seen? <laughs> what do you say then?" Right? Well, Ravi, Great, again, thank you very much for coming yeah. on. I really appreciate it, and uh, right. I look forward to wherever you go next, and uh, we'll hopefully sure, hopefully see it. Sure.
and and please stay in touch and then we, we can do we'll, we'll talk again maybe in a few months take care bye bye you can follow my guests on all of their social media platforms the details are in the description that's it for take a wonder with shebs don't forget to follow me on all of my social media platforms until next time bye for now